Podcasting played nobody. Bill, is it over? Are you done? I'm Have not. You, but you're close. I'm very, very close. I uh, just talked about Auburn today, which means, as always, that means we are very close because Auburn is always awesome and always lives up to all expectations. Um, so we got two left. We've got LSU tomorrow. I don't know if you know anything about LSU or have anything to add to any conversation about LSU. A little bit. Uh, and then we've got Alabama on Thursday. We've got SEC power rankings on Friday. And then uh, I believe, uh, if it goes according to plan, the giant preview package with all of that stuff and features and all the things that we've written recently uh, will go up on Monday. So the preview's almost done. How many, what day do you remember starting? For those of you who don't know, and if you're listening to this, I don't know how in the world you wouldn't, Bill's team previews, it's August. Let me ask you this. Does it, does it feel like a weight is removed, or do you feel, do you feel pain and, and um, loneliness in the absence of it? Is it like when you take something, like you ever take your wedding ring off and your hand feels lighter and it feels weird? I, I think I know where you're going here. And, I'm uh, going in that you are bound to this preview by God and law itself. I find it kind of funny. Like, you know, I, I was one of those kids that, like, I'd get attached to a an inanimate object, whatever, a stuffed animal or this or that or a wrestling doll or whatever it was. And I, like, wouldn't want to give it up because, like, there was, like, an emotional attachment. Like, it was I was going to hurt its feelings or something. Sure. I kind of feel that way. uh this is the most the the most egregiously nerdy thing I've ever said. I spend half the year with the same Excel file uh, that has all the charts and the in the player data and all this other stuff in it, and then I close it out after the final preview. And I it's it's like saying goodbye. It's it's like you know I, I I'll never open that file again after I just spent six hard months with it. So you know there's a little there's a little uh, attachment. Um, well, to make that sound less um, Bill, is there anything that terrifying? You want to, is there anything that you want to say to the Excel file right now? I'm going to give you this space, okay? Let us let us savor these final moments. Uh, to make this less weird, I'll just say when this. did you? What did, can you tell me, Hey, can you tell me what day you started the Excel file? Uh, well, I mean, it would have probably been about the day after the season ended when the data from 2016 was over, um, and you start updating all there, that. But, there, but I'm saying there should be a way to tell. Like, can you see? Like, can you can you pull it up real fast and just say like. Well, I probably saved as before the season even ended, but I probably didn't do anything with it after that. I just start yeah. with last year's file and then update it, basically. But, yeah, no, I mean, I I spend half of my year with the preview series. We'll say it's a series and not an Excel sheet to make it sound 1% less weird. But, yeah, it's half my damn job, and then it just kind of ends, and it's over. You're just trying to make me cry now. But I'm just gonna, this is your moment. If there's anything you want to say, just you've got three teams left. I will also say that the two weeks between when the previews end and the games begin, when I don't have like a four-hour block of time set aside for one thing, it's it's uh, it's magnificent. I get all this other stuff done. I, I knock out pre- football study hall posts that I uh, didn't have to, you know, that I had didn't have time for over the last six months. I uh, you know say hi to the kid. You know, I do a, a, a random various things like that. So I'll enjoy these next two weeks. Everybody always uh, talks about how, like, man, this must be your busy time. You must be ramping up. Like, hell no. As soon as I'm done with this preview, I, I go half, I go part-time for the next two weeks. It's amazing. Here comes the chorus. Okay, we got to move on.
Appreciate that. It's a natural. Excel belongs to Bill. This only lends theory to the idea that you're a robot, that you're expressing this much emotional affinity to an Excel doc. I just want to let you know. Uh, I can concur that people think our busy time is during the season. It's not. It's actually right now. I'm very, very busy. Well, but mine's uh, that's what I'm saying. Mine's not even that. I'm talking about like the run-up to the season. As soon as that preview package goes up, I'm done for a week and a half. Like you, you won't hear from me much except for like a couple study hall posts and whatnot. So this is uh, I my busy time is basically the two weeks prior to the two weeks prior to the season beginning. Right. Um, okay, let's uh, talk about the SEC. Something we try to avoid as much as possible. On this, yeah, we say that. But real quick, I'm going to log in and look at the, our, our podcast titles from the mm-hmm, last month. That's deceptive, though, Bill. Don't even go there. We we, we front-load our A-listers to trick people into listening to the podcast. And then our we, last three, not including yeah. the 2007 podcast, were about Hugh Freeze, SEC quarterbacks, and Tennessee dream and doom scenarios. Okay, but so you, we're but all I, talk. You know as well as I do that we trick people into walking in, getting a little of that Power 5 feeling, and then, bam, 45 minutes Utah State. Okay, nothing wrong with that, but that's our MO. Uh, this is Podcast Ain't Played Nobody, speaking of. My name is Stephen Godfrey. Uh, you can reach me at 38Godfrey. He is Bill C. at underscore, uh, SBN underscore Bill C. Excuse me. He is the proprietor of the S&P Plus Analytics System. He wrote a bunch of books. And he also posted all of the websites you post at at the snbnation.com, Rockham Nation, the main snbnations.com, and then also Football Study Hall. I have a quick question. I was going to lead the show with this, but then I thought it was only respectful that we that we we pause in memory of the Excel doc. Yeah. Did you see where one of them dudes from Football Outsiders was on Late Night with Seth Meyers? Yes, Aaron Schatz. He along with what? the pure what the frick? Along, along with the pure existence of SB Nation, uh, which is a t- touchy topic at the moment, but a very happy one for me personally, um, along with that, uh, Aaron Schatz, like I owe Aaron Schatz my career. Uh, he gave, he got me started at Football Outsiders in 08. I, I don't really, I can't completely piece together how that happened, other than Seth Myers is a very good, big sports fan, and I, he's from Boston, maybe, and Aaron's from Boston, maybe there's a connection there or something. I think he's from Boston. Um, that's and what. So, that's really what the world needs. Bostonian, right. Bostonians talking about sports on a national level. Hey, he did it. He 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 held his own. I'm proud of him. Okay, so but why is he on, like? Are you going to be on late night TV shows? Has something happened we, that I like? What? Well, uh, Seth Myers is a Boston sports fan. That means he's never heard of college football. So I don't really think that's going to be an issue that um, that comes up anytime soon. But I appreciate yeah. knowing that you know. If you if you grind hard for fifteen years and you have a couple connections and a certain sports host or a certain host likes your sport, then maybe just maybe you can be on television at midnight. Absolutely amazing. Um, so I am going to start trying to book you on talk shows. Okay. And then also, I, I really am just gonna be your Cato. Okay, um, we're going to get you as famous as possible. I'm going to linger at the outside, probably spend 20 to 25% of what you bring in, uh, develop multiple drug habits. And I'll be like your hype man, you know, the one guy who just yells along with the drum beat. Um, so speaking of yelling along with what you've done, uh, do you want to go Auburn first, LSU, Bama, um, or do we want to look at your power rankings? Because the big debate was not where to put the teams in the tiers on this one. So... Bill finishes up uh, a conference. He will then go into our work chat. We will sit there and talk a little bit about it. But mainly we talk about 
how Bill is ranking the teams inside said conferences. And this one, Tier 1, was no argument. And I really don't think anybody in Tier 4 was an argument either. Um, it was really how far apart. Should there even be a Tier 2 before you get between Alabama and the rest? What did you finally settle on? So I am maintaining... That, and this is all spoilers here. Where people are not going to have any reason to click on the Friday post now. You, uh, everybody who hears this owes me a click, owes me a page view. Um, Look, so, man, we're the cool kids. And then w- what our audience, what they're called, what the marketing cool kids, people. love to Excel sheets, yeah. Yeah, no, but we're influencers, all right? Okay. It's like when you go to those stupid events where, like, they just want you to Instagram their food. We just That's what we're telling nerds to do about your rankings is Instagram so, the bottom tier first is I think I have settled on four teams. I, I was actually tempted to just have three tiers and have 11 teams in tier three since they could all be kind of borderline top 40, 50 uh, if things break right. Uh, but the bottom four teams, let's see, I'll do alphabetical. So there's some mystery here. Um, Missouri, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Vanderbilt are the four teams in some order in tier four. Okay. And really, I think the cutoff there is, I mean, Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss has top 25 talent. We all know this. I just, I don't want to have to think about actually putting any sort of expectation on Ole Miss whatsoever. Um, and the, the possibility for collapse is obvious. It just in with this situation, even if Matt Luke does a great job, the possibility for collapse is what it is. Um, but those four teams are probably all top 40, 50, you know, South, South Carolina, I could see kind of maybe popping into the top 35 or something like that, but that's basically the range I think for those teams. Um, tier three then is only seven teams. And yes, I am doing two teams in tier two that I will get to in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the alphabetical tier three, let's see if I can do this correctly in my head real fast, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, uh, Kentucky, Mississippi state, Tennessee and Texas A&M in some order uh, are tier three. All of those teams have top 25 seasons. Here's the, I know we're supposed to go along with the media day and the narrative stuff about, you know, which is the best conference in the nation this year. Is it the ACC? Blah, blah, blah. And the ACC coaches all go up and they say, well, here's why I think the ACC is the best conference. Well, it might've been last year. Then you lost all your quarterbacks. Uh, The SEC returns all of its quarterbacks and I just I think this is easy, quite pretty easily the the deepest conference in the country this year. It might have been deepest last year too, for that matter. But um, I, I just I, I see three legitimate top ten teams, and I see ten that could end up in the top twenty five with a break or two. Freaking Not all of them will. Seven months of me trying to prop up the ACC cul-de-sac, and you just you just slap it down. Yeah, yeah. No, the ten number ten team that I have on my um, on on this list, which I will not reveal. Um, I would easily probably have them about sixth, fifth or sixth in the ACC this year. So yeah, I'm, I am full on and I I don't enjoy this. That's not that. I mean, that's kind of about right. Even with the developments that's going on in that league. And we've, we tended to jump on new, new things as a way of keeping ourselves interested. But that, I mean, that's about right. We've been premature in the ACC stuff, but it's also because the ACC was really bad and had a lot of potential programs. But I guess when you put it that way, you're saying, so you're saying team nine, nine or 10 
in the SEC could be team five or six, basically, in the ACC this year. Something to that effect. And again, okay. like I'm, I'm listing 10 teams, and not all of them are going to be top 25. It's just there's a middle ground between about 15 and 40 where the team that avoids injuries better or gets a, you know unearthed some diamond in the rough person who wasn't supposed to make a big – those are the things that matter there. But there are 10 teams with a very good shot, and I bet as far as S&P goes, like probably at least seven or eight of them end up in the top 25. This is always uh, the argument you, that that fans make that yeah you know a team teams or teams have to go seven five six and six five and seven in the SEC West but if you put them somewhere else they would be diabolical. The problem is then you get like Mississippi State and the St. Petersburg Bowl who has to like come from behind to beat Miami of Ohio. Um, but well, we, yeah, last we, year that's last year. I mean Mississippi State wasn't very good last year. Georgia, uh, Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt weren't very good last year. Kentucky had its moments. Um, but you know, overall, they're, they're, these all these teams were so young, and and like we've like I've talked about before, there are I think four SEC East teams in the top ten of my returning production figures of, uh, this year, and uh, that's a lot. And then Missouri is in the top thirty as well. So, I, I mean, I, I I think this is a rising tide situation when you look at not the recruiting rankings. That's what usually props up SEC teams, but returning production numbers I think is what what will prop the SEC uh, up this year. You don't have to lean on recruiting if you've got everybody back from last year. So. I do think it's a it's, it's a conference in pretty good shape, and this is a, this is boring as hell. I, I wish I could just say, you know, here's the surprise team this year, Purdue. But instead, I'm saying like, hey, the SEC is going to be awesome, and look out for these upstart Notre Dame and Texas programs. They could be big turnaround teams this year. This is boring, and I, I apologize for that. But I'm also not going to. I can't do the make stuff up to be, uh, you know, to be uh, risky and ballsy and 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 all that. I'm just going to, you know. I'm going to share my opinions, and they suck this year. That's to review, Purdue, not a surprise team, right? Just checking. 2018. Okay. Well, let's, we'll say 2018 for Purdue. Bill, uh, Auburn is going to be good, but that means they're not because right. that is – so there really is no team, as much as we complain about Southern Cal, that so often misses its mark one way or the other on pre one on way or right. exactly now usually what we laugh at USC for is is a is a little tribe of national media media folk that that prop them up and then they inevitably are eight and four or worse. Um, Auburn is either going to be a national title contender and then isn't very much very much very much isn't usually a Birmingham Bowl contender or Auburn has been written off and then comes out of the gates of hell with. Uh, you know, the blood of your children in its mall. Um, so we said they're going to be good, which means they're not, right? Pretty much. So going back to, t- to 2002, according to College Football Reference, uh, here are the years in which their preseason ranking and postseason ranking were, in, were within 10 spots of each other. Um, there was, well, technically there was 2001, I guess, when they were unranked and finished unranked. But then... You've got 05, they started 16th and finished 14th. That's awesome. That's awesome. You've got, you got 06, they were started 4th, ended 9th. And you have 07, they started 18th and ended 15th. Uh, since then, and this is, this is skipping over 03 when they started 6th and finished unranked, and then turned around and went undefeated the next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 08, started 10th, finished unranked. Uh, 09, just, you know, mediocre all around. But then 2010, started 22nd, ended up 1st. 
2011, started 23rd in an unranked. 2012, unranked and unranked. So pretty normal there. Uh, 2013, started unranked, finished second. 2014, started sixth, finished 22nd. 2015, started sixth, finished unranked. Uh, and then last year, they started unranked, reached number eight in the country until the quarterback got hurt, and then they finished 24th. So they really do seem to – Oklahoma has had kind of a strain of that too, but Auburn has has a flair for the dramatic, and uh, that will – it makes it kind of tricky because I, I – we'll talk about this in a minute, but I try as hard as I can not to look at the preseason polls uh, before I've done my top 130, my big power rankings countdown thing that will go up next Monday, I, I'm guessing. And I had to really quickly glance at it today just to get a feel for Auburn because I assumed they were they're going to be about seventh or eighth, and they were thirteenth, mm-hmm. I think thirteenth, thirteen or fourteen. Um, that surprised me. And it, it is that is does that mean they're overrated or underrated? Does that mean they you know if they're not in the top six, that means they're going to go up? But if they're below, if they're in the top six, then they finish unranked. I don't know what to make of a seemingly reasonable projection or a ranking we, in the teens. What if we just think they're good and they finish nine and three? So I am personally trying to uh, rectify this by considering myself uh, putting them in the top eight when I do my power rankings or top uh. eight or so. And so I will personally take the fall for them finishing seven and six. But um, you heard it here first. And what's funny too is I, I felt like there's like kind of a, a little dagger in this preview and that I'm like, oh man, this is a top ten team right here. They've got everything. They got a couple questions, but not too bad. I, be, I bet with this schedule, they'll probably go eight and four. Okay, but if they go eight and four, oh no, we're gonna have to fall into the Alabama spiral. I'm so sorry, Auburn fans. I was gonna try and do this in a vacuum. Okay, here we go. Let me just put my talk radio hat on. You ready? Go. Like a maybe a trucker hat with a bullhorn on it or something. Bill, if they go eight and four, can Gus Malzahn survive? What if they lose to Alabama by twenty one? I would say that if they go eight and four, it'll yeah. be an eight and four like last year where they had such dramatic highs that he he does survive. So like middle of last year, and that's last year. If Sean White stays healthy all year, and, and at this point I'm not completely sure that's a physical possibility for mm-hmm. Sean White. Uh, he's had a lot of dings in a year and a half. Um, but if he stays healthy, they still start slow. Uh, yeah. They didn't really realize what they had, and that stupid that, – that new quarterback for every play uh, attack they attempted against Clemson was ridiculous or whatever. And then they lose to Texas A&M. But Malzahn hands the, the play-calling duties over to Lashley, and suddenly they're scoring like 80 points in every game. Ridiculous, uh, but fun. Don't discourage that. We want to see more of that, okay? And that lasts right up until he hurts his shoulder. And then for a couple of games, he's na- I believe he, he was nagged by the shoulder injury, still played, didn't throw very much. They leaned on the run. Um, and then against Georgia, he goes like six for 20. He misses the next two games. Their offense vanishes completely. Uh, he's okay against OU, and then he breaks his collar or his forearm or something, and then they bomb out against OU too. Like when Sean White, White was healthy, starting like when they figured it out and Lashley was calling plays and they kind of figured out what they had, they were unbelievable. They were maybe the best team in the country in October. But then November came, and, and uh, White tried to play with a bad shoulder, and, and bad things started to happen. But, Ain't nobody winning national titles in October. That's right. No, nobody remembers October. Sorry, that was the point I've been in the, the, the talk radio hat on. I'm sorry. Um, 
You know what? We really, really, really want to try and understand Auburn with like something that's that's a little bit more finite than what Gus Malzahn has offered. Maybe they're just a, a pretty good, sometimes really good program that is impossible to understand without talking about that other school. Well, and, and, I mean, and, and to that look, and to that end, they are not alone. This is not an in-state thing. Right. We're going to get into our Division Two or Tier Two. We'll just go ahead and transition over. Um, you have a you have a second tier. We've debated calling it a two and a half tier or a two point seven five tier. You did. I did not want to get yelled at by LSU fans, so I always maintained that I was going to do two tiers. Just, think, just FYI, I, LSU. I think fans. even Bud said that too. Like yes, I know, and you're, uh, you're both going to get me yelled at. Um, LSU Auburn. If Alabama can't win the West, and I don't know why, the federal government. Um, yeah. Who's the better team? I have not completely decided because I haven't uh, cop out. I haven't finished LSU's preview yet. Right now, I'm I'm kind of oh, man. I'm gonna get yelled at anyway. I'm kind of leading Auburn. I'm feeling Auburn wow. right now. Okay. And I mean, if it comes down to nothing else, realize that one team will have Danny Etling and the other team will have Jared Stidham. And you don't have to believe in That's like a very good point. God. You don't have to believe in the God level hype for Stidham to realize that he was very good at Baylor as a true freshman mm-hmm. before he got hurt. This is true. And, and and so I mean, even if he's only very good and not the the best quarterback since Cam Newton. Um, that's really all that the, with a healthy Sean White. He's got a higher ceiling than Sean White, and they were untouchable when Sean White got rolling last year. So uh, right now I'm kind of leaning that way. Once I write the LSU preview and I start watching clips of Darius Geis, uh, you know, squatting 800,000 pounds, maybe I'll come around. Um, but right now I'm thinking Fair. maybe Auburn. And wow. by the way, we're talking about like Alabama and the effect it has and everything. Like it really is funny because it's completely redefined. I, I, we've talked about this before, but it's completely re- redefined just what, people think of as good like how, how how's your coach doing he's doing pretty well like now that Saban has set the bar so like be almost beyond Bear Bryant at this point with his consistent top two performances oh god please it's don't impossible say it's impossible to 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 look at here here are the S&P rankings for Gus Malzahn's four years I'm still really struggling to understand that he's only been there four years um it feels like about nine mm-hmm. five Five, three, twenty-four, and thirteen. By any measure, that is very good. In the non-Saban like, Alabama era, he is a god in Auburn. Well, Pat Dye. Actually, what you talk for a second, you vamp for a second. I'm going to pull up my all-time rankings and look how Pat Dye did because he was, <laughs> I mean, last I checked, very well regarded uh, with Auburn fans. I think that uh, at least you know. I'm trying to think. I, I don't really have anything to vamp on Auburn, and that I don't really understand how how to understand them i don't know if if it, it's possible because we all have alabama disease i think they're going to be a pretty good football team i don't know if they can beat alabama i don't know where that everything every everyone wants to boil this down into a referendum on the staff they do a lot of things really well they're good recruiters i think malzahn has been good and and, and smart in the way that he's delegated and brought up assistance and i don't really believe a lot of the criticism excuse me, criticism that I read of them locally, um, they're just not that other program. Um, I think it's going to be more interesting to see if they are, what are they related to Ed Ogeron's LSU? So I, I take it back, uh, Mia okay. culpa to Pat, Pat Dye, who was, here, here are his rankings over the 12 years he was in Auburn. At 51 at first, not great. 
27 in his second year, then two, nine, seven, six, seven, eight, eight. So okay. bar's pretty high there. He's Malzahn is not yet Pat Dye, uh, even if he made the national title game, whereas Pat Dye got screwed massively out of the 1983 national title. Hey, yeah. hat tip Auburn fans. Um, and then his three years, you know, at this point, I don't remember specifically when the sanctions and every, everything start taking effect, but his last three years were 27, 33, and 58. Almost perfect symmetry, by the way. Um, comes in at 51, leaves at 58, and almost wins a national title uh, and finishes seven straight top 10 years in between. So, yeah, the bar is pretty high there. But this is in, three, in four years, he has, had, he has been 13th or better th- three times, and he'll probably be 13th or better this year. And with uh, as many sophomores and juniors as they're going to be relying on this year, especially sophomores, that sophomore receiver class is pretty ridiculously awesome, I think. Um, They're probably going to be top 15 next year, top 10 maybe. And so, like, he's doing fine. It's just that when you're in the SEC East and there are probably on average about three top 10 teams per year, you're playing probably one of them on the road and then a good bowl opponent and this and that, you're going to lose two or three games at least. And it's just the way it is because you're sitting there looking at a freaking dynasty at the top of the rankings. That Clemson game is going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm really – I already saw people bringing up like um, like in, in uh, on, on Twitter talking about like, am I crazy? Can Auburn win this game? Or that's going to be a huge referendum. I don't really see that as a referendum for them because no. it's not in, in conference. Uh, and and because as as high as I am on that, I'm I'm not trying to say like, hey, national title contender here or anything like that. Although I mean, it's not not possible. It's just not likely. Right. right. And so, if you told me they make the playoff, I wouldn't be shocked. But I'm not putting money on that. But that seems like just a really nice uh, measuring stick game. Like they, I mean, they're gonna if if they don't hold Clemson's offense in check, I'll be very surprised and and kind of disappointed because Clemson shouldn't have all its its affairs in order on offense just yet. And so game is um, in Clemson, right? In Clemson. Yeah. Mm, not an so, easy place to play, regardless of whether there's a, right. I, I would or... assume that, you know, Clemson should absolutely still be the favorite in that game, but it is interesting. Uh, and it'll be a nice kind of a, a nice, a, at worst, a nice measuring stick for like, how far off am I on Auburn at this point? How far off are you on Auburn? Do you really honestly think, do you feel like, don't listen to your numbers. What do you feel like in your gut you're going to be – are you going to be patting yourself on the back or are you going to be trying to explain this problem away in four months? Because I think they will end up in that 8 to 12 range yeah. and not higher. Because I'm not saying, hey, Bama better look out. I'm just saying this is a really good team that could possibly win 10 games in a, with, in a schedule that includes the SEC West and Clemson. Um, you know, that's, I, I, I'm comfortable with where I have them. And I think that if I, if I am wrong, it's going to be defense. I'm, I'm, I think this offense is going to be incredible, but the defense still, it's a little bit of a depth issue. They lost like, uh, what, three defensive tackles uh, mm-hmm. out of the two deep. They have like three more, uh, like the, I mean, recruiting has not been a problem on the defensive line for Auburn, but that the D line was so important to them last year that we'll, we'll see their linebackers are going to be awesome. Uh, but that only matters so much if your line isn't that great. Um, so, yeah, there are questions. And I am talking up a bunch of sophomore receivers. That's always terrifying. Because, mm. um, I mean, they, they need big plays badly. And they've got the three, guy, the three guys who are probably going to deliver it are Darius Slayton, who caught 15 balls last year, Kyle Davis, who caught tw- uh, 12, and then Nate Craig Myers, who caught four. Those are, those are the guys I was, t- you know, touting. 
they're all four-star guys. They all had big plays. They all have made big plays in practice over the offseason. So, I mean, I'm rel- relatively confident, but that's still a little scary. It could, it could, it could come down, but I'm thinking it's the defense that uh, disappoints if they, if they fall back. Geis is really good. This, yes. is, this is my um, slightly stilted transition into LSU. Darius Geis may be more consistent than Leonard Fournette. Doesn't matter. No need to compare. I definitely don't think it was a thunder and lightning situation, but I know this. Geis wants to atone for the stuff that happened in the Florida game. I write about that in a story that I have on LSU. It's pretty Ed Ogeron-centric that's going to be part of the preview. Um, I I think Darius Geis might be better for what they're going to do. And what they're going to do is bring in Matt Canada, who's probably been the most talked about coordinator in the offseason. Could you name me one that's more so? Oh, than- I know. Uh, the expectations on him are a little it's bit high. At the crazy. Point. It's crazy. It's one of the, I think it's definitely one of the reasons why LSU shut down practice. Um, they are going to be a – here's the most exciting thing, whether you're an LSU fan or not. Um, they are going to do stuff and, 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 and be a different brand of offensive football than we've seen at LSU in 20 years. I think they're, they're going to be – uh, I don't even know how to get out of this without falling into cliche soup. But I think if if you have to describe Canada, everyone says like, oh, he's multiple. But like the dude is really, really multiple. And on top of that, he's multiple without a predilection. He's never going to fit talent to his scheme. It's always going to be the reverse. So if you look at what he did with Wisconsin and Pittsburgh and everywhere else that he's been, Indiana, super different every time. So it's going to be really fun because he's never had skilled position players this talented at any of those stops. Now, now. Quarterback? Mm, not so much. Well, yeah, I, I, I've been struggling with this, and I'll, you know, this will probably be a big part of the preview that nobody's uh, read yet. But somebody pointed out, like, you can pretty much see in Canada's resume whatever you want. Like at, at Indiana, he never had a top fifty offense in S and P, and that was at Indiana. But he still never had a top fifty. And Wisconsin, his only Wisconsin defense was good, uh, but not amazing. Offense. His, his, huh? You said defense, offense. His NC State, his two NC State, uh, it was two, right? No, three. His three NC State offenses. Um, he, they were, well, 90th the first year, but whatever. They were 90th the year before. They got 40th and 35th in 2014 and 15. That's still not amazing, but then they fell back to 55th as soon as he left. And so, and then at Pitt, he finally had an elite offense. So that's mm-hmm. fine. I mean, that's, I, I, I like track records when it comes to like uh, how it's really, really tricky to, to figure out if one amazing season with Pitt is, is going to translate to him being an amazing play caller and, a, and having an amazing offense from here on out. And so that's, that's where I get tripped up. Like he had a good, he absolutely figured some things out at NC state that he was pushed out was a very strange situation, but um, he also didn't really ever have amazing offenses until Pitt and so maybe we're giving him too much credit. I don't know. He's still got Darius Geis. He's still got um, at least one really good lineman. I, they, they've lost like 12 in the offseason, but nobody, only one that was probably going to start. Um, but I, 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 I guess I'm going to reassure myself when it comes to LSU's pr- uh, prospects this year. I'm going to reassure myself by simply saying that all he has to really do is get one play better. 
because if you didn't have, as we've talked about before, if you didn't have an elite defense, you weren't stopping LSU last year. Danny, Danny Etling or no Danny Etling, if you didn't have a top 10 defense in defensive S&P Plus, you were getting mauled. Uh, they were going to average nearly 40 points a game against you. It's just that against those elite defenses, and they're always going to be some on the schedule, yeah. they average like six points a game. Some of the stuff that like Steve Insminger did as a play caller last year was kind of... Ch- checkers not chess but there had been such an arrested development in the philosophy of cam cameron and really i think i I, i'm not trying to speak ill of miles but i mean his major criticism i think is valid in that he put clamps on whichever oc he had so be it cameron or be it um so he butch jones them in other words boom it's, it's possible um i'm trying to think who is the uh byu guy help me it was offensive coordinator down there. Oh, man. It's embarrassing. Anyway. Wait. Oh, uh, uh, Croton. Yeah, Gary Croton. So the, so Scapegoat was always the offensive coordinator in the Miles years. They, they always looked a little confused and, you know, obviously the wacky things that happened and ended Miles' career. So I don't know if it was Cameron. However, Insminger gets in there, and one of the simplest things they do, because I, I talked to him, um, I want to say it was the week of the Florida game, was like, hey, why don't we, why don't we go to multiple sets Put the wide outs, split the wide the wide outs as wide as possible. Let's do some of the stuff that we've seen in the Big Twelve Texas schools and air raids and spread option and things that Les was so hesitant to do. And we're going to do that just to get guys away from the running lanes inside, just so Geis and Fournette can have one or two less bodies to ping off of. Little stuff like that. Now, none of what I've just described is really advanced football philosophy, at least for not like, you know, for the last five or six years. It's just that's that's the state of the LSU offense. So oh, internalized a sneeze that hurt. Oh, it felt terrible. Um Oh my God. I think I just gave myself an aneurysm. Um I have absolutely no idea how Etling's going to look against BYU. Probably pretty good. I mean, just in terms of talent. They're not going to go out there and expect him to be revolutionary. I think they're going to use, again, formations and shifts and different things that you haven't seen at LSU, and they're going to have fun with it, and it's going to really probably cruise for them until they get to October-ish, you know? Now, I say that. They've got to play a really good Troy team at home. They've got to play a BYU team that is not going to be easy, I don't think. I I mean, I definitely think they're more talented than them, but it's a neutral site game, and I can tell you from personal experience that BYU shows up, um, even in Houston, even in in LSU's backyard. They lost a – you know what's weird is they lost a lot of guys in the draft, and that really wasn't talked about a whole lot. Well, one of the things I noticed about the early schedule is that – I mean, Mississippi State's defense is going to be better this year. I like Todd – I mean, I – I've talked to enough Georgia fans over the year that this feels weird to say, but I like Todd Grantham. Um, he did a really, really strong job for Petrino. Uh, and, you know, granted, this whole new defensive coordinator every single year thing doesn't uh, isn't optimal for Dan Mullen, but I think he got a good one here. Uh, but still, you look at you look at Mississippi State, Syracuse, Troy, back to back to back in late September. Um, those are if they are going to struggle in those games, it's going to be struggling to stop those teams. Uh, they should be able to still move the ball on those teams. And so that'll be that'll be kind of weird. It'll be kind of, uh, you know, and then they play Florida, which, I mean, is, is as uh, you know, over the last 10 years has been kind of the reverse. 
Uh, so it is kind of a weird uh, – the impression we're going to get of LSU is going to be kind of interesting because even if they're struggling, even if they uh, have to, you know, hole one out against Troy to, to survive or whatever it is, it's probably going to be in a high-scoring game where their offense looks really good. So uh, it might not be until that Florida game or maybe Auburn the next week where we really kind of figure out if, um, if the last year's problems are on their way to being solved. Yeah, I think that's all fair. Um, if – Auburn is going to be surprisingly consistent, if not a little bit, not boring, but just consistent, then LSU is going to be possibly surprisingly unexpected. How's that? Is that general enough for you? Sure. I just mean that in that we always, like we started the segment talking about Auburn being incredibly hard to nail down in the preseason. Maybe they're just, maybe this year they're just consistently 9-3 and good. And maybe this is the year that LSU does some fun, exciting things on purpose. Because the fun, exciting things that we know at LSU, it, again, from the casual standpoint, I'm not saying they haven't had great plays and, you know, great games. I'm just not the spiking the ball with one second type of situation. You know that. Like they're going, you're going to go, holy crap, this thing happened at LSU and it's not going to be some like mortal wound self-inflicted by the coaching staff. How's that? So I will say, though, uh, with this schedule, with, um, with getting Auburn at home and getting, I guess, A&M accounts as a heavyweight at home and then not playing like a Clemson in non-conference, the bar better – I think the bar should be higher than 9-3. and three. Bar, The 9-3 and three is going to be kind of the – well, 9-3 and three will be like the average finish. But basically, like, when I'm writing these previews and I'm looking at, like, the win probabilities and stuff, I tend to think of games – from a, with the win probability between about 35 and 65% as being kind of relative toss-ups. That's basically a touchdown. Um, and so if I'm looking at the games that could be decided by one fluky play, I'll look in that range. And then, you know, below is a likely loss and above is a likely win. Uh, here's how LSU's schedule shapes up. One pretty likely loss at Alabama, which I actually almost think it's good that they're at Alabama this year. That'll kind of help, like, tamp things down a little bit. Two toss-ups. They're 57% at Florida, and they're 63% at home against Auburn. Otherwise, every single other game on the schedule is 71% or above. Okay. Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, from an odds perspective, you would maybe expect to drop one of those games. Like, you know, lose to Alabama, maybe lose to either Florida or Auburn, and then drop another one, however that plays out. But really, that kind of screams 10-2 and to me. And so I, I think the bar is really high here, especially since they don't necessarily – they might not play as many elite defenses. There's not a Wisconsin on the schedule. Florida's defense is going to regress at least a little. I'm, I, I'm, I think we've overstated how much it's going to regress, but it's going to regress a little bit. Yeah. Auburn's could be top 10 again. I'm not completely sure till I see the defensive line and everything, but it could be top 10 again. But that's that might be it. Um, and so – if it really is a situation where you need an elite defense to beat LSU, and then you also kind of you need uh, to stop one more extra good play call a game from LSU, bar's really high this year, uh, maybe higher than Auburn's, uh, you know, because of the way the schedule shapes up. By the way, as we were sitting here talking this entire time, I, I kept thinking that Clemson was week one. It's not. It's week two. I like yeah. that. I'm super. I'm, yeah. I'm pumped about that. Yeah, we've yeah we've talked about that before. We having a load of week one's great, but let's spread them out a little. Yeah, just bit give me more. give me three. Just give me three good ones in week two. If you want to do fifteen, you know, non conference games and and ten are marquee, and five are you know the kind of games where we, 
you know, we get all PAP in about it. That's great. But just give me like give me like three to five in week two to where we're not falling into a total valley. And I think we actually have that this year because isn't Oklahoma, Ohio State week two? Yeah, or week three. Or three. Yeah, I'm totally yeah, fine with that. Spread it out. Give us a good September before conference play starts. I think that's the best thing for the sport. Um, Auburn actually opens against Georgia Southern. So, um, yeah. interesting, not really an issue they'll be fine yeah I, I georgia georgia southern has to show me that they're actually gonna do what they're good at doing again after last year home for mississippi state um home for old miss very 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 possible that if they can if they can do something different dramatic pull out that win at clemson they're undefeated going into baton rouge so, yep. so there's that and that's really you want to play clemson early like if you have the choice, absolutely with them, the personnel, you want yeah. To play them and yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's yeah, and there, there are some kind of those weird road trips. You've got a Missouri, you've got Arkansas, you've got A and M all there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it would not be a surprise if they dropped one of those. They're between, let's see, they're fifty nine percent for A and M, seventy for Arkansas, seventy eight for Missouri. So yeah, I mean, from an odds perspective, maybe maybe they drop one. But you're right. I mean, they're if they beat Clemson, they are. They immediately glance at the schedule and go, "Okay, we're six and zero when we go to LSU," <laughs> and ooh, uh, that's that's, that's, ooh, that's, a, that's a game right there. That game. Don't 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 accuse us of just getting excited about the Troy Boises of the world. That game is going to be fantastic. Also, I can tell you this right off the top of my head: LSU's home schedule. They're neutral against BYU. I think they're designated the home team. Chattanooga, Syracuse. Let me look at the rest. Troy, A and M, but it's not on Thanksgiving, and Arkansas. Arkansas. That Auburn game, if, if that thing gets 230 by CBS, LSU is going to lose its mind. Oh, yeah, that's true. That would be the only, unless unless uh, Arkansas or A&M are, you know, a big surprise, that would be the biggest game by far that they would get, and they would want to put that at night. They, they yeah. would not, if they get 230 by CBS, then they, they don't get a marquee game at night this season, and they hate that. So... <laughs> Um, and, and they want, especially in a game like that, they want the advantage of, of Tiger Stadium after six. Now, look, I was yeah. at the Florida game last year. Tiger Stadium before six is definitely a thing, but it's not a thing. It's not, it's not that thing. Right, and the earthquake game, the, the, the earthquake rivalry should always be at night, just out of, out of courtesy. Just, just as Ole Miss should always be on Halloween, and I'm going to bring that up again. The Auburn game should Absolutely. always be at night. It's close this year. It's October 21st. Um, but I think both teams actually have a buy or have – Auburn has a buy. No, I think that's as close as you can get. Anyway, all right, we're going to shift topics dramatically. You ready? Okay. What am I going to do about watching college football on the TV? I don't think you have to watch it on the TV at all, do you? Well, I meant like, I'm sorry. Boy, look at you splitting hairs like a robot. Uh, we got to program your we got to program your linguistic function to understand when I mean television. I mean it in the broader sense. So last year I streamed games with the service called PlayStation View. There's now something called Hulu Live. There's Sling, and I think there's another service, maybe Directv Now. Um, I have not been paying attention to this. Some of you loyal listeners have been paying attention to this religiously and I appreciate that. We wrote a little like a little post that got massive traffic this time last year. We put it up going into week 1 which is basically sort of like if this is how much you can see of what using which service. I sort of assumed and and I was wrong, spoiler, 
that in 365 days going into the 2017 season, you'd be able to find what you want on, on like you could just sign up for one of those services and they're going to have what you want as a college football fan. In other words, to go soup to nuts on a day of major viewing. I was wrong. It's a problem. Um, so we have basically the same problem as, as we had last year. Uh, you can, and I will say this, a lot of the packages have expanded. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, should I, slant, you know, should I get Sling? Should I get the, the, I think YouTube has one, Hulu has one, PlayStation has one. It really is going to come down to, are you a Big Ten person? Or are you a Pac-12 person? Which is so frustrating, Bill, because you can't really get one or the other. You can't get right. a complete look at everything. Um, LHN is, I think LHN is on, I know LHN is now on the view service. I think it's on a couple others. So ESPN added that to the tier. And it really comes down to the fact that Pac-12 is, and I'm, I'm sort of a Pac-12 network defender, but they're not available on every platform. They're on Sling, all right? So let's say we get the, we get the Sling. And you're gonna you're just gonna have to make this decision for me because I don't I, I don't know what I'm gonna do I can't really I don't really want to run two streaming services at the same time um, that'd be a fun expense report we've got okay so let's say we want some Pac-12 all right I need to see that Oregon State Stanford game in October all right sure yeah because yeah. people say that don't laugh someone some someone out there says that right all right. I can go over to Sling, and I got here's what I get. I get my ESPNs, I get my FS1s, and you can pretty much get that stuff everywhere, right? And ESPN, you and the SEC network, because that's part of the the ESPN. And then, then you get your uh, depending on what region you're in, you get your Fox regional, right? So that, that picks up some extra games. Okay, so we're doing good, we're doing good. And then, bam, I get uh, uh, NBC Sports Network. I guess we're legally obligated to mention that one. Um, there's even something called ACC ESPN Network Extra. I didn't think the ACC network was launching yet, so I don't know. It's basically a, a, a placeholder, more or yeah, less. I don't know what that is. And then we go. Oh, actually, no, that might be. There is um, the at noon Eastern, uh, eleven God's time. Is that the is that the Raycom is a, game? That's I, I, I guess that's what you would call it. Yeah, there's like a quote unquote ACC network game that usually shows. It always shows like on a local non HD channel for me. Um, but yeah, there is kind of a specified game that might be what they're talking about there, and it, or they might be talking about that, and then also it being a placeholder for okay, um, for the future ACC network. All right, um, and then we got our Pac-12, and we get all the Pac-12 regionals too. So you're set. There's like eleven Pac-12 regionals or something like that. Okay, what am I missing? Well, you're missing the MLB network. No, I'm not. I don't care about that. We're missing. The Big Ten Network. Why is the Big Ten not on Sling? It's very frustrating. All right? So I say, you know what? i got to see my Indiana Penn State, bud. I don't know if that game's on. Big Ten Network. Whatever. Um, I don't even know if they're playing this year. PlayStation View. I'm going to get that service. All right? I'm going to scoot over here because I need that Big Ten in my life. Can you go over here? Hang on. I'm pulling up their page. I don't really care about Game of Thrones right now. Um, we go to Sports. They have the ESPNs. Uh, by the way, and I'll try to remember to include this, uh, and the Valley Shook, our LSU blog, has a wonderful post yeah, with all of this. I thought that's what you were looking Podcat at. Podcat is religious about this kind of stuff. That's the guy who helps so, that deal. So then you come over here and you're like, you know what? I'm going to get Big Ten Network. But they don't have Pac-12 Network. 
All right, but they have LHN. They don't have BN Sports. They don't have BN Sports. How are you going to get your conference? USA? Exactly, BN Sports is a legitimate. No joke. That's going to be like some CUSA games. Like uh, I'm, I've got a piece going up week one about UTSA and Frank Martin. Like pff, can't see those games. Frank Wilson. Um, <laughs> Frank Martin. Yeah, yeah whatever. Um, Bill, what am I going to do? I, I say go I don't to Direct TV now. Okay, let's go to Direct TV now. What do we got over here? Well, uh, you've got your ESPNs and your Longhorns and your FS1s and your Big Ten and your Olympic Network, mm-hmm. whatever it's mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And you're going to soon have CBS Sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do not have Fox College or Pac-12 nope. or BN or NFL Network. <sighs> Hulu Live. Hulu Live. Let's go there, Bill. What do they got? ESPNs, Big Ten, FS1, Ooh. local stuff. Feeling good. Olympic. Sports, got the, CBS got the local CBS affiliate, so I can watch the 2.30 game. All right, that's awesome. No LHN, which, I mean, pfft, you know, They do have CBS Sports Network, right, at the end of my work day. I can enjoy yeah. a little brown yeah. liquor and watch the watch the pokes. Uh, no BN, <sighs> no Pac-12, <sighs> no, no, no NHL Network. Actually, that does bother. Well, no, because I live. I, yeah, no, you're at you're national. Yeah, I, so. as, long as, I have the, as long as I have the Fox Sports regional, I can watch my team. Um, uh, Bill. YouTube TV. Oh, what we got? ESPN, Big Ten, yeah. FS1, uh-huh. the NBC stuff, uh-huh. CBS. Okay. Uh, no BN Sports or Pac-12 Network. I have defended the Pac-12 long enough, Bill. This is a problem. It's a problem. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this live on the air because mm, this is just some good podcasting. Pac-12 Network, schedule, football, 27. Let's see what we're going to miss, right? Let's see what we're going to miss right now. I want to know if they've locked in a game where I think, God, I can see that. So, right. by the way, I've never had I've never had Pac-12 Network, so none of this really affects It is me really good. They do a really good job. They really do. Um, sure, yeah. Colorado you. State, Colorado, week one. All right, Pac-12 Network. Okay, that that's that, that, that angers me. All right, week two, salty little affair here. Western Michigan and USC. All right. I'm skipping some of this. Some of this is like Arizona, Northern Arizona. Uh, that sucks. That sucks. That sucks. Hawaii, UCLA. Pac-12 Network. Montana, the Grizz going to Washington. Fun, but they'll get killed, so I'll skip that one. All right. All right. San Diego State, Arizona State. Going to miss that. <sighs> Fresno State, Washington. Another bloodletting, another bloodletting there, um, and then they don't really have anything aligned until after that because conference play starts in earnest, and they figure out what goes on the Fox portion of their agreement, what goes on the ABC ESPN portion of their agreement. So, to their credit, to the Pac-12's credit, when they stumble up and have an actual marquee game, they don't at least they don't put it behind the Pac-12 paywall or the not even paywall, just wall, I should say. Um, I'm trying to think of their first marquee game is not actually, well, no, U, USC is the home team against Texas. So that should be it. Right. Uh, yeah. Yes. USC is the home team. So let's see what channel that one's on. Oh, by the way, Oregon, Oregon, Wyoming. That's on CBS sports network. I can't miss that game. I got to see that game. That has to happen. I'm very frustrated right now. Texas USC is on Fox, big Fox. Regular, like like straight up Fox, rabbit ears, get it on your local network, Fox, 730 Central. Um, 
they're doing a, a decent job of not putting like the major games on any of the Pac-12 network affiliates. However, I'm more I am more than a major game consumer, Bill. Do you feel my pain here? You wouldn't be you wouldn't be uh, you wouldn't be on this show uh, if you were only a major game consumer. <sighs> Pisses me off, Bill. So, all right, okay, you know what? The hell with this. Let's go Pac-12. Let's cast my lot with Sling TV. Sound good? Sure. Right. What am I gonna lose <laughs> on that stupid Big Ten network? That stupid. I think you'll lose more Big Ten without network. Big Ten than without Pac-12. Let's scroll through and find out what I'm gonna lose with that stupid, stupid Big Ten network. You ready? I don't know. It's pretty bad up front. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um. <laughs> hey, how come we haven't devoted any time to Wyoming opening the season at Iowa? Well, we mentioned it a while ago. Oh, we should keep mentioning it. Okay, Big Ten Network. Ready? Buffalo at Minnesota. Wyoming at Iowa. Ball State, Illinois. Nevada, Northwestern. Oh. Arkansas State, Nebraska. That's that's one weekend. Arkansas State, Nebraska will be fun, at least. But yeah, no kidding. I know, but I need to see that. I'm pissed. Week two. Florida Atlantic, Wisconsin. Towson, Maryland. Western Michigan, Michigan State. Eastern Michigan, Rutgers, Western Kentucky, Illinois. That game going to be fun. <laughs> Week three, Air Force at Michigan, MTSU at Minnesota, Florida, FIU at Indiana, Morgan State, Rutgers, Gross, Georgia State at Penn State, and Bowling Green at Northwestern. I got to see these games. Uh, I'm not sure about that week, but keep going. Actually, I think so. That's, that's all I have listed right now. Um, <sighs> so here's how we're going to solve this. Are you ready? Let's um, let's just uh, do something illegal. So if you're out there listening and you have an active login and you want to be stream buddies with Podcast Ain't Played Nobody host, award-winning, not really, journalist Stephen Godfrey, hit me up in the DMs on Twitter. The DMs are open. All right? If you have an active login in a sling, you let me know. Okay? And I will get one of the other services. I'm a bit of a I'm, – I'm sort of a Sony loyalist. Whenever possible, I buy Sony products for, like, home electronics. So, so accordingly, like, I have a PS4, and so I've, I just sort of fell into view that last year because of that. I'm tempted by the other the other deals, though. I don't know. I'll figure out if it's got, like, kids programming and DVR and I don't – whatever. But really this comes down to somebody out there is holding a card. Now, somebody already has a PS login for view. And I get my my Big Ten, then I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna cast my lot with Sling. I think what I'm looking for is a Sling login so I can watch Pac-12 games, and I think I'm pretty much covered with everything after that. Yes. What about you? You still rocking traditional cable? A note to the authorities: uh, This is all Stephen Godfrey. I have nothing to do with this. I, I don't care. Do anything? I don't care. Play. I don't care. I'm on private property. Actually, I'm, I'm, we're kind of in a weird situation because um, we went with the other local ca- cable company as of a few months ago. It has faster network uh, internet that also goes out sporadically and has been going out a lot recently, which is awesome for my anxiety levels. Um, but it also has you basically are offered packages, and it, it, like you can kind of you can flip back and forth between one package and and another. So as we approach the season, for whatever reason, the ESPN package doesn't include ESPNU. But I can get the package oh God. ESPNU if we give up HGTV. And so I'm trying to decide. So, so no. So I'm trying to decide in terms of house harmony uh, 
it, at what point do I decide it's worth it? Like it's worth the risk. It's worth, it's worth the damage to my overall health to mm-hmm. flip over to ESPNU so I can have it during the season. I think that'll kind of depend on what the ESPNU schedule is. I'll, I'll stall as long as possible until I absolutely need it for a given week and then I'll flip over. But yeah, that's the, that's the dilemma that I am dealing with currently. DirecTV now, stupid face, doesn't even have a list of the channels that's publicly active, like publicly available. You have to like sign in. I'm not going to do that. You're selling me on your service, stupid. <sighs> All right, let's just cheat the system. Also, if anybody has a Sunday ticket login out there, <laughs> uh, I'm just going to straight up tell everybody there, uh, I am going to steal NFL games as much as I can. Um and I feel really okay with that, saying it publicly. In fact, I think I'm working on something with Matt Ufford with our NFL team at Fox. Um, I can't watch my favorite sports team in the world play because I have a tree in my yard and I can't get a direct TV. Yeah, dish. that was our problem. We moved into a house that had like 30 trees. And so, it was <laughs> so I'm just straight that one. I'm just like I've even said on Twitter, like, hey, happy NFL Sunday. Can someone send me an illegal link with some malware and pornography <laughs> attached to it? Um, I don't care. I, I If the NFL came to my house and they're like, hey, give us $300 cash, I'd be like, hang on, let's go to the bank. I don't have that on me. Um, oh, do you, you, take you some- have that on you. Yeah, tons. Uh, can I give you like a PayPal? But but if they said, hey, here's 300 whatever, I don't even know how much the damn thing costs anymore. But if they said that, I would say, okay, cool. Can I just watch the Falcons? I don't play fantasy football. I don't care about what's going on on the West Coast. I just want to watch my team. That's it. I don't want to watch pregame shows. I don't care about any NFL stuff. I just want to watch my football team probably on mute with a little bit of Xanax. Okay? That's how I enjoy my favorite sports team. And they have robbed me of that, so I'm going to pilfer things illegally as much as I can for as long as I can until that situation changes. I don't think I'm committing anything illegal here because I am paying for a service. I'm just saying could I borrow someone's login to catch the Pac-12 network on Sling? That's all I'm saying. So speaking of anxiety levels, I... I want to see you transition out of this segment. I just um, pulled up a Yahoo article from, I believe, yesterday. Okay. And number one, while you were talking, I pulled it up and like 38 autoplay ads threw, like knocked me mm. out of my chair. Yeah, I think, I think if you're, a, if you're a careful listener of our program, you'll constantly hear that happen to us. <laughs> In the background, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, So there's that. And then there's also the anxiety of, are we really going to call this like the best quarterback draft class ever? Is that, is that really what we're going with? Because I'm not going to lie. This feels like the most normal draft class of all time. You've got like the five star blue chip, Rose Bowl winners, et cetera, in Sam Darnold, who really, you know, he could, he could, he could throw a few more deep balls this year. I wouldn't complain, but it really does seem like he's kind of the most surefire uh, prospect possible considering what he did at USC last year. Great. All right. You you, you have the former, hang on. So USC quarterback. Okay. That's never happened before. All right. You've got the former blue chipper who hasn't quite put the pieces together yet, but absolutely could. Uh, What's his in name? this case, in this case, it would be the USC's neighbor. Uh, it, well, there's nothing neighborish about the Coliseum and the Rose Bowl, but UCLA. Okay. Josh, Josh, who has plenty of tools and mm-hmm. we will have to next March and April, we'll have to talk, listen to all the anonymous scouts talking about how, since he has opinions on, on things that aren't sports, he's undraftable, but regardless, he's got a golden arm. 
Uh, he also has very much not put all the pieces together yet, in part because their running game was so bad last year and he didn't have any reliable receivers he could really count on that okay. everything kind of fell apart. So you, so you see a quarterback that's flown a little bit under the radar and underperformed on the whole with his team coached by Jim Moore. So that didn't just well, happen. He hasn't, flown, he, he hasn't flown under the radar. I mean, Nationally, in, in the NFL circles, I think, as far as – so what I was going to get to, you're, you're killing my bit here, is if I'm standing at a tailgate, I'm trying to reinforce your theory here that this is a – completely normal year for quarterbacks if I'm standing at a tailgate at like I don't know Tennessee or Auburn or something I think most people educated football would be like oh yeah you know like okay so USC has a good quarterback right right oh oh is there another guy at UCLA okay all right keep going like none of this is none of this is atypical at all powder river Letter Buck. Now that's completely unique and one. This is a grossly biased pro Wyoming podcast. Let's talk about is, Josh Allen for a second. No way, it is in no way unique in that <laughs> we have already decided that he's next year's out of nowhere. Like at least we waited on Carson Wentz until like December. Guess what? They have the same head coach. Um, Actually, I, we didn't. Even, it wasn't even then. I remember watching Carson Wentz in December, thinking, "Huh, he might be a pretty good like. Uh, he might he might be draft worthy." And then suddenly he was number two in the draft. Unfortunately, this year. Josh Allen and my beloved pokes are he he got he got great white hyped he got he got it he got the great white hype which is funny because the other two guys are white too but yeah but he got the like he got the like scrappy work hard gym rat humble dirt but hot da blah 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 he got that thing it's already happened and then so here here are Josh Allen's stats okay. I'm Tanner Lean, Josh Allen right now, and I feel bad about it because Josh Allen is actually quite good. Right. Um, unlike Tanner Lee. Um, <clears throat> Josh Man. Allen. Can we go a week without giving them shade? I was, that's, that was my test to see if they're still listening right now. Mm-hmm. So Josh Allen last year threw for 3,200 yards. Pretty good. Uh, he threw 28 touchdown passes. Pretty good. He threw 15 interceptions. Not great. He completed 56% of his passes. Not great. Uh, he took sacks seven, six and a half percent of the time. Not great. Now, part of taking a lot of sacks is, is believing in your legs and making plays. And he did. He rushed about what? About nine, eight or nine times per game, not including those sacks. Averaged about six yards per carry. Nice wheels. Um, fumbled eight times, which isn't great or terrible for a quarterback. So... If if I'm looking at that and I have no context for where he's being projected, I'm thinking, man, like six five dude, he he might have a pretty good arm there. needs to needs to needs to learn how to play quarterback a little bit more. You know, get that get that completion rate up, throw get get that interception rate back down to where you're only throwing about eight or twelve in a given season, not fifteen. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he might be he might be pretty pretty decent in a couple of years. Uh, that. Uh, and he's top 10 and, and like he would have been, he would have been getting top 10 hype. If he went out last year, we saw the dude, a bleacher report had him in like seventh or something or sixth or whatever it was nuts, nuts for him to have now have to live up to that. Like without the, without this little round of hype or whatever, he, he would have been a, a really kind of a, a guy to watch. He won the division last year. He beat, uh, you know, they beat Boise. They went, they had their best season in quite a number of years. This would be a great story. And now it's going to be a pressure story. And I hate it. I hate that so much, but regardless, no matter what, he is not part of the greatest draft class of all time. If he's the third to highest touted quarterback on the list, that's not, that's, that's, that's almost a below average draft class at that point. Okay. You feel good. All right. All right. Hey, didn't a quarterback win the Heisman last year and he's coming yeah. back? What's his name? 
Um, Johnson, uh, one of those, one of those immobile guys that Bobby Petrino always uh, produces out at, uh, out of Louisville. Uh, by the way, uh, Lamar Jackson's stats from last year. I understand that uh, film matters and build matters. He is, he is two inches shorter and about 10 pounds lighter okay. than Josh Allen. He right. completed the same 56% of his passes. Mm-hmm. He threw more passes, but was only picked off nine times. Okay. He threw more touchdown passes, threw for more yards, uh, he also took more sacks. He was sacked 10% of the time, which is not great. Um, he, uh, offset that by averaging nine yards per carry over like 15 carries per game. <sighs> yeah, he was, he, he was an afterthought in, in the greatest draft class of all time. He was, oh yeah, okay, by so, the way, Lamar Jackson. So in the Yahoo article, they talk about Lamar Jackson possibly being a receiver at the next level. That one I thought was a little <sighs> odd. Um, but you know what? Uh, okay, all right, that's fine. The one that the one that's jarring is the mention of JT Barrett, only because the hat the article says that he could move to receiver. Have Have you seen JT Barrett play like football? I'm, I, At what I'm point? sorry, another another autoplay ad just uh, started, but I'm pretty sure you were talking about JT Barrett. What At what point did someone look at JT Barrett and say, you know what, slot? <laughs> slot receiver you know what Antonio Brown Julio Jones that's what I see right there that dude is not playing receiver uh, regardless of how much you want to acknowledge the intersection of race and sports that one is uh, hmm, salty I mean that's it's it, it's borderline ridiculous that the, that Barrett would be considered a he may just not be a pro quarterback he may not be right. a pro prospect he may there's not no, there's no shame in that and and he could also have an amazing year this year now that Kevin Wilson is his quarterback yeah. coach on his place dude ain't right. a freaking receiver at the NFL level I mean that's just I don't know how you because I, I, I don't a, know how you would interpret that as anything other than like black guy skill position player like can't be quarterback. I mean that's like that's that's stuff Grambling was dealing with in the '60s, uh, but uh, yeah, no this this was stressful for to to read this, and I I I you know among other quarterbacks that were named before uh, Lamar, I believe it was before Lamar, included uh, Idaho's Matt Linehan, who another you know solid pedigree, good household arm, na- household fine. name, you know everybody down here in SEC country for me definitely talking about Idaho's Matt Linehan. And he could be a good quarterback, but he, but he's 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 Idaho's Matt Linehan, Ryan Finley, who um, threw a relatively who throws a relatively accurate ball. Um, Troy's Brandon Silvers, who's going to throw for like eight million yards this mm-hmm. year, but you know it is what it is. Uh, Missouri's Drew Locke, who I really enjoy and really probably needs to lift his completion rate about five or 10 points before he needs to worry about the draft. Um, I, Drew Locke, okay? by the way, good athlete could, could, could technically, you know, he, he was a good basketball player. He, he might have a, a, a future receiver. Jim rat. Jim rat. Um, I, we're, we're bagging on an article and that's not really our style, but I couldn't help it. Uh, the, first of all, let's, let's not freaking talk about the draft in August, 2017. Draft is is the stupid conversation that we have in February after the season. 
Second of all, there's nothing special about this draft class whatsoever. Really it, su- it really sucks that when you want to go counter narrative and, and sort of hold up college football for what's good and right, you have to cheer for a Bobby Petrino coach team this year. <laughs> uh, but it's the truth. You really do. I, 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 I know he lost to Kentucky, and I know he got completely obliterated by Houston, but Lamar Jackson won the Heisman. He's a really good quarterback. He's really fun to watch. Um, I know that I went on this, like, screed probably – I want to say maybe November, December last year, about how the draft creeps in and ruins things for the for college football fans. It sure as hell doesn't need to be spoken about in August, but it doesn't really have to be your context. You could just choose to just like remember people like Eric Crouch and Jason White and uh, I don't know, like AJ McCarron if you want, like. It just is what it like. You you can completely venerate a college quarterback for his college career and nothing else. That is okay. That's totally okay. You can also celebrate a college athlete's achievements in the context of just the college football sport that they play, and not worry about the pros. You can you can enjoy it while it's happening without any perspective on how this would apply to a very very different game of football and and that's it that's i encourage you all to enjoy this season and not not stop in the middle of some awesome game with some crazy play and think i wonder what his pro prospects are (laughs) i think the fact that the the nfl draft gets more hits than like any other two words you could possibly search for like I, I get it. Like I, I, and so therefore we're attracted to talking about it. I think that is absolutely those two things have absolutely been so tied together. To a lot of group. it's just it's literally millions of stupid jet fans just sitting like banging things into Yahoo. But I, while we're while we're saying what you could do, we, you could also note that Lamar Jackson was a true sophomore last year who has a cannon arm and threw for thirty five hundred yards, and also has the ability to scramble out of pressure and just needs a little bit more time learning how to be a pocket passer. Uh, and he was a true sophomore last year, two years out of you know two years of removed from prom or whatever you wanna you wanna say, like a year and a half removed from prom even. So just depends yeah. on when your prom is. That's right. And so, yeah, how about we just note that he was an amazing true sophomore quarterback and could still improve? It's very weird. The whole situation's weird. I mean, I, I shouldn't be shocked, and I'm not, but um, he potentially could take two years and just become a God-level pure passer. I don't know if that happens. I don't know if he stays two years. But, you know, it's it's possible. Um, all right, so the draft sucks. We got that. Um, we did yep. not solicit questions this week because we actually had, um, I would say, an appropriate amount of content. Um, we are going to, I guess we sort of put it to bed. I mean, boys to men ballot aside, do you want to come back next week and do, we can, we can just look at the, at the rankings as a whole, but we're also going to be able to preview games, Bill. Holy crap. I have a note. I have a note right here that says there's football next weekend. Who is it's, it's Colorado state versus, um, Oregon state. Oregon State, you are going to get 15 solid minutes on freaking Colorado State versus Oregon State. But but listen, anyway. We got Rice and Stanford. We got – I don't have the schedule Florida in front A&M of me. And you, we have Florida A&M and Texas Southern. Oh, it's on ESPNU. I'm going to have to break the seal. Sorry, honey. Uh, HDTV's gone. I, I need my uh, – What, a weird, uh, what a weird cable situation to be in to have to choose between those two networks. Um, HG. Sorry, I was saying HD. HGTV. FAMU, Texas Southern. 
You know, we did the so we did the package on SB Nation um, about the 2007 season. One thing that I was remiss, it was the first time I watched college football in HD was 2007 because I think the last game I can remember ah. watching on like the big CRT television. CRT is um so if, the, the big heavy old CRT is cathode right. cathode ray tube, but the the ones that were heavy and boxy. Um, was 2006 was a national title game. I remember that. I remember watching Boise State, Oklahoma on that television. And then I remember um, my roommate and I at the time like chipping in together to like really save up for an HD flat screen television because they were not cheap 10 years ago. Um, no. You can get like an amazing television with amazing picture quality for like 200 bucks now. It's crazy. Yeah, we when we were at uh, we had to go last week to target to get new phones i got to spend a good solid you know 38 straight hours in target last week and um it's it was in the electronic section i was just looking at those prices going holy crap that tv would have been twenty four hundred dollars and it's six hundred dollars yeah no it's great i just got a new monitor for my office i'm so i'm i may or may not be embedded uh for week one and if i'm not i I've already talked to our college football editor, Jason Kirk. I'm just going to – I have not been home for Labor Day weekend in five years or something like that. I am going to absorb. I really don't have to be at a stadium. I'll be fine. I'll live. Um, it, I'm super excited because it's it's not as good as it was last year in terms of the five-day run. Still pretty damn good. I, and I still say we don't need week one to be good at all because we're just we're drinking the fire hose. We're just taking it all in. Yeah. Like I'll be I'll be giddy. Let's see. We've got on Thursday. We've got FIU UCF. I will watch FIU UCF. I will watch every second. I will record and watch every second of Tulsa Oklahoma State. I don't need good games on week one. Yeah. So I would almost encourage them to just spread them all out because whatever. But uh, no, it doesn't need to be good. It's football, and we will watch every second of it. And right. I just realized that the first two FAMU games are both on national television this year. Of course. Because they play Arkansas in week two. As, they, as they should be. All right, Bill. No uh, we'll come back next week. We will actually shift into a game week mode. It counts. I don't want to hear any objections. I doubt I will. Um, Bill, do you want to uh, do you want to end the offseason? You ready to end the offseason, buddy? Let's do it. All right. Good night, sweet, sweet Excel sheet. I'll see you next week.